The raid that red-pilled America, the FBI gets political and goes too far. The Democrats, the media, and the blue checks on Twitter have no idea how many people have been red-pilled over the past three years. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. No one who watches Joe and Mika or Rachel Maddow or reads the New York Times will ever be red-pilled. They simply believe that is the only reality. How could it not be if every high-status person in America is going along with it? If your friends and family go along with it? If your social media feed confirms it every day with links? If it's in the media, it must be true, right? How do you not trust it if it's on NBC News or the Washington Post? Waking up to the media's near-total collapse during the Trump years is a big part of being red-pilled. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. The only way to escape the media's hold on the narrative is to cut it out completely, at least until you can see that there is another reality, the actual truth. If they hadn't already given up on the establishment watching them crush Bernie Sanders like a bug in 2016, 2020 would do it. The response to COVID was a big one, dividing the country the way it did into the compliant and the non-compliant what it did to the businesses, to the minds of children, to everyone who was locked down and locked in, unable to attend funerals, weddings, and deathbeds. But the raid on Mar-a-Lago very likely has red-pilled Americans even more, especially when you put it together with the authoritarianism during COVID, the suppression of speech, the silencing of dissent, and the dehumanization we all live with. To watch our Department of Justice raid a former president's home months before the midterms, where the Democrats were expected to do very badly, looks suspect to anyone. If they were trying to create distrust in our institutions, they succeeded. Most Americans have seen, maybe for the first time, that our government has become too powerful, too punitive, and too authoritarian in crushing dissenting voices and outsiders who challenge that authority. We call that being red-pilled. Good morning. This is Coach Jude from Southern Cal. And I'm really at a loss. I had posted something about uh, really not believing that the 2020 elections were stolen. Uh, I just didn't believe it. I, I didn't think it could happen. But then after seeing everything that... Joe Biden has done, and in particular, the raid on Donald Trump's house, I can see now to where 
the Democratic Party has indeed got the power and the know-how to steal the election. And um, I'm a little frightened. I had 300 and some odd comments of people questioning how I could not believe that the election was stolen. One, maybe I'm a little naive, but I just, I think that that would be too grand of a, a crime that anybody would even try it. But I also believe that everything that I see Biden going toward now, trying to start a new pandemic, uh, it, it just seems that the, D the DNC is open to anything to keep in power. And they're taking power away from us as individuals. I'm an independent voter. I voted once for Obama, not the second time. I voted the second time for Bill Clinton, not the first time. And this past time, I voted for Trump. I'm in no way a Trumpster, but I thought that we needed a change, and not just a change in uh, politicians, but a change from politicians, and I thought that that's what Trump offered us. And I think he did one heck of a job the four years he was in. And whether he runs again or not, I, I just think that the Democrats are trying to rig the elections again. And I believe they can, I believe they will. And sadly, like I say, I have my opinions on things and I give my opinions here, but mostly ask questions to see what, you know, Americans are feeling on both sides. But this state of affairs actually frightens me that now they're raiding the former president's house, looking for anything contriving anything. This is Coach Jude from Southern Cal. Like, follow me, leave a comment, but be kind. More worrisome is the ongoing mass hysteria that started on Twitter, spread into our institutions of power, and now has spread to our government. To have such a complicit and compliant media is even more terrifying. What wouldn't they go along with by now, gulags? We all thought cancel culture would be confined to social media, but clearly it has become the modus operandi for our establishment government. It's hard not to see this as yet another extension of the insanity and hysteria over Trump. As the Wall Street Journal's Kimberly Strassel writes, quote, Trump derangement syndrome has a curious way of scrambling coherent thought. Witness the Democratic media complex's blind insistence the Justice Department raid on Donald Trump's home is just and necessary, rather than a dangerous move for their party and the Republic. In descending on Mar-a-Lago, the Department and the Federal Bureau of Investigation shifted the U.S. into the category of countries whose ruling parties use government to investigate political rivals. No attorney general has ever signed off on a raid on a former president's home in what could be the groundwork for criminal charges." End quote. The Mar-a-Lago raid on its own would have been one thing, 
but it comes right after Merrick Garland announced the largest investigation in American history against a former president. That came on the heels of primetime hearings that aired on every news network except Fox, led by Liz Cheney, where they compared January 6th to the end of slavery in the Jim Crow South. This, after Kamala Harris, compared January 6th to Pearl Harbor in 9-11. A red-pilled America is probably starting to think the reaction to Trump, rather than Trump himself, might be the even bigger threat. They were already losing voters by the millions. Hispanic voters, Asian voters, even black voters were being red-pilled and drifting rightward. That meant there was likely a red wave in the November midterms. Biden's catastrophic poll numbers meant Democrats could lose and lose big. That was unacceptable. It shouldn't be too surprising that they used that moment to hold their primetime extravaganza of January 6th. If they can't win over voters with better candidates or policies, they're going to scare the living daylights out of them. Donald Trump hadn't even announced he was running for office, but the failure of Biden and the Democrats alone was enough to launch an all-out war on Trump, his henchmen, and his supporters. Instead of bringing more voters in, the administrative state has now red-pilled even more Americans. That's certainly true of Hispanic voters, as a recent Spectator article outlines. Quote, It's likely that many of these voters agree with Rep. Myra Flores from Texas, who responded to the Mar-a-Lago search thus. The FBI raid on the residents of the former POTUS is unprecedented. We do not live in a third-world country. This point will certainly resonate with many first- and second-generation Hispanic immigrants, many of whom came to the United States to escape countries where such secret police raids were all too common. It's doubtful that Flores and her constituents were satisfied by Attorney General Garland's dilatory and defensive acknowledgement that he approved the decision to seek the search warrant. End quote. Whether the newly red-pilled Americans will become GOP voters or whether they will support Trump at all remains an open question. But many of them will be coming out of August 8th with a high distrust for a government that would use the Department of Justice to sabotage its political enemies. The Spectator's Gary Anderson wonders if Biden had crossed the point of no return. Quote, Rome's republic collapsed when its politicians started using the law to eliminate opponents, a custom that began with the Marius Sulla Civil War. The guy in power used the judiciary authority of the Roman Senate to eliminate his adversaries. The intended victim would raise legions and fleets in self-defense. This took money. The contender who could raise the most troops or who was the better tactician, got to be in charge. Julius Caesar crossed the Rubicon because he knew that his opponents in the Senate had decided to have him executed if he returned to Rome without the protection of his legions. He had violated several Roman Republic laws during his invasion of Gaul, but there would be no fair public trial. The concept of Roman justice was dead. From that point on, might made right. End quote. Is this the beginning of the Great War that will define the fourth turning? Writes Neil Howe and William Strauss, quote, Decisive events will occur, events so vast, powerful, and unique that they lie beyond today's wildest hypotheses. These events will inspire great documents and speeches, visions of a new political order being framed. People will discover a hitherto unimagined capacity to fight and die, and to let their children fight and die for a communal cause. The spirit of America will return because there will be no other choice. 
Thus will America reenact the ancient myth of Echiprosis. Thus will we achieve our next rendezvous with destiny. End quote. Here we are almost two years into the Biden presidency, and Biden has proven himself to be beyond incompetent. Despite being continually propped up by the media, it isn't a coincidence that they are coming from Trump the same week they are desperately trying to boost Biden's poll numbers. They might be able to keep the people afraid enough to be distracted. Still, there is no getting around what happened a year ago when Biden's sloppy exit from Afghanistan led to the deaths of a dozen American soldiers and sent his poll numbers crashing down. For podcast listeners, we're looking at Biden's disapproval approval ratings. A 20-year-old man who was the brother of one of the dead soldiers recently killed himself near the memorial for his brother. Except for the Daily Beast, only conservative sites covered the story. It would be shocking at any other time except the one we live in now. The media and our government willfully ignore the carnage left in the wake of Biden's bad policies, whether it's Afghanistan, which likely caused Putin to invade Ukraine, China to flirt with invading Taiwan, the rising murder rates in cities with defund the police, or the two January 6 rioters who have committed suicide or Ashley Babbitt shot point-blank by a member of the Capitol Police. These Americans just don't matter because they don't serve the narrative. What is most frightening about watching the media spin on a story like the unprecedented raid on a former president's home, or any story on any day, is how they manage to always offload the bad stuff onto Trump and MAGA. Now they've pivoted away from the naked abuse of power displayed by a politicized DOJ and towards the reaction by the GOP against the FBI. While it's true that a man showed up at FBI headquarters with a nail gun, it's not like that's the only act of political violence we've seen lately. They control the media, however, and can drive fear and hysteria however they want. For podcast listeners, we're looking at a, of an article that says there is no MAGA movement without threats and violence. And the subheader is the volcanic response to the FBI's search of Mar-a-Lago is the latest escalation of pro-Trump intimidation. That's just pure gaslighting. Why shouldn't there be a volcanic response? Do they want everyone to lie down and pretend to like it? They can protest as loudly and as violently as they want over every single thing Trump said and did for the four years he was in power, but the GOP is not allowed to be angry about this? The media has long since lost touch with reality. They listen to Twitter, not the American public. For too long now, the Biden administration has been taking its cues from the wrong people. They think if it makes Joy Behar happy, it's worth doing. They think if Rob Reiner approves on Twitter, it's the right move. But Twitter is a small pond with way too many big fish, driving ongoing hysteria and preventing the Democrats from focusing on the problems of average Americans. Chasing Trump for six years based on one mass hysteria event after another has destroyed the Democratic Party and possibly our Department of Justice. Just because they can indict Trump on some procedural error doesn't mean they should. The problem with mass hysteria is that it often leads to the dehumanization of whole groups of people. While most see it as more of a physical affliction like coughing fits or laughing disease, it can also work when a threat spreads quickly in a tight-knit community. Think about a snake slithering into a tent. The more who are connected together, the faster the hysteria spreads. That can be helpful in life-or-death situations, but when it comes to what is mostly an existential threat, 
like witches or communists or even Jews or newly freed black Americans after the Civil War, that fear eventually morphs into dehumanization. That often leads to the worst crimes against humanity. Once people are dehumanized, as Trump and his supporters have been, there are no limits to what can be done to them. That's not to compare Trump supporters with Jews during the Holocaust or the Jim Crow South. It's just to say that the mechanisms are the same. The good Germans had been conditioned to dehumanize Jews, and that meant they could be carted off to concentration camps long before anyone knew anything about gas chambers. The Germans believed Hitler was making Germany safer and more prosperous now that the parasites had been purged. The hysteria only ends when they've gotten rid of the bad thing. That is why we watched person after person purged and persecuted from their jobs, Hollywood, and social media all through the Trump years, a practice that continues to this day. In 2016, there were more people online and connected than ever before. In 2020, even more people were online and connected. Dehumanization is the red line we should never cross, not necessarily because of what it does to other people, but because of what it does to ourselves, nothing less than the total destruction of the human soul. In Salem, over 200 people were accused of witchcraft, all because a few adolescent girls began faking symptoms. With limited education, they only had the Bible, and only men were allowed to study it, and an isolated new utopia, the Puritans were constantly under siege by direct threats. It was freezing cold. Native Americans were attacking them without warning. And then came the devil himself, their greatest fear. Witches had no way out of the accusation, just as someone today is always guilty once accused. They could confess as a witch and live, or refuse to confess and be hanged among members of their community who cheered on their deaths. But not everyone was compliant, just like now. Giles Corey was a terrible person by all accounts. He beat his wife regularly, but he refused to confess to being a witch. They tortured him with heavy stones placed on his chest until his tongue fell out of his mouth and he died. Then there was Thomas Mall, a Quaker, who spent a year in jail to make sure the story of Salem was told and remembered. Mall understood persecution because in Salem, they didn't only jail accused witches. They didn't much like anyone who wasn't a Puritan. They jailed Quakers all the time and treated them like outsiders, much like the left now does to non-compliant Trump supporters. Maul is credited with leading the way toward the First Amendment and as the founder of objective journalism that held the powerful to account. In Colonial Salem, Thomas Maul was a Quaker among Puritans, and he spent his entire life criticizing the government, which was illegal. Given the option, Maul always took public lashings over paying fines. Quakers might be insufferable, but they're good at business. Maul was a lifelong believer in witches, and when the Salem witch trials began, at first Maul was totally on board. As the body count rose, though, he became horrified. It was once again time for Thomas Maul to illegally criticize the Puritan government for their failures. This time, he wrote a whole book titled Truth Held Forth and Maintained. It were better that 100 witches should live than that one person be put to death for a witch who is not a witch, he argued. Mole was subsequently arrested for blasphemy. He represented himself in court, and he convinced the jury that his book was fine, actually. He was acquitted. The judge and prosecutors were pissed. His acquittal is considered as a pivotal event leading to the adoption of the First Amendment. Fighting Quaker, fight, fight, fight. But there were no real witches in Salem. America is not corrupt to its core with white supremacy. 
And Trump is not an omnipotent supervillain. We're all just human beings, flaws and all. Trump is still the same gadfly from the 1980s, whose fame revolved around his opulent lifestyle. He's the same guy who starred in Celebrity Apprentice. Trump is not secretive, if anything, he's an oversharer. He doesn't hide things or try to grab power behind the scenes. Everything is right on the page, warts and all. He perplexes the left because he still believes in an America where everyone has a right to say what they want, live how they want, think what they want, regardless of the fast-changing rules of behavior mandated by the new left. Trump's rise is no coincidence. He is overtly and deliberately offensive. He mocked a disabled reporter. He made fun of John McCain. He called Marco Rubio Little Marco. He often seems like a bully. But there is a side to Trump people don't know and don't see, the human side of Trump. And when you take the time to see that, dehumanization evaporates. This doesn't mean I'm suggesting you like Trump, see him as a good person, or even support him. It just means we should get a grip before things go too far to turn back around, and we're already there. There is nothing left of the Trump hunters. They have been destroyed by their addiction. It defines who they are now and defines what they are. For people who have everything, money, culture, art museums, every major corporation in the country, all big tech platforms, they were undone by their need to destroy one man. Americans are looking at the January 6th committee hearings and now with the raid on Mar-a-Lago and thinking, do they not trust their own candidates or policies to win in November? Why are they so worried that people will vote for Trump instead? Shouldn't they be fixing themselves rather than trying to take out the opponent before he's even announced he's running? They hunt Trump because they know their days in D.C. are numbered. They put all of their eggs in the Trump basket. It's become an obsession that blots out the sun. It is an addiction that can't be controlled. Who are they if they aren't the people trying to destroy Trump? They can't quit Trump because he went at the kings and the queens, Obama, Bill Clinton, the Bushes, the Cheneys, the squad, Nancy Pelosi. He mocked all of them. He got his MAGA fingerprints all over the furniture in the White House. Now they're done dancing around it. With a fully compliant media and a rabid blue check army on Twitter, they're ready for their authoritarian close-up. To quote Patty Chayefsky's brilliant screenplay for Network, Trump has meddled with the primal forces of nature, and for that he must atone. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature, Mr. Beale, and I won't have it! Is that clear? You think you merely stopped a business deal? That is not the case. The Arabs have taken billions of dollars out of this country, and now they must put it back! It is ebb and flow, tidal gravity. It is ecological balance. You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There are no Russians. There are no Arabs. There are no third worlds. There is no West. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and immane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. Petrodollars, electrodollars, multidollars, Reichmarks, rims, rubles, pounds, and shekels. It is the international system of currency which determines the totality of life on this planet. That is 
the natural order of things today. That is the atomic and subatomic and galactic structure of things today. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone. While discussing Network, Chayefsky warned against what he called the destructiveness of absolute beliefs. He then added, That's the only total commitment any of us have is to other human beings. Our government should spend less time with their ruthless, grotesque power grabs and more time trying to make us see each other as human beings again. Or as Jefferson Smith, an outsider who came to Washington only to see his character smeared, once said, love thy neighbor. And it's not too late. Because this country is bigger than the tailors or you or me or anything else. Great principles don't get lost once they come to light. They're right here. You just have to see them again. I guess this is just another lost cause, Mr. Payne. All you people don't know about lost causes. Mr. Payne does. He said once they were the only causes worth fighting for. And he fought for them once. For the only reason any man ever fights for them. Because of just one plain, simple rule. Love thy neighbor. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is a film about government corruption and the one man who went into the machine thinking he could make a difference. I do not doubt that the intentions of Adam Schiff, Liz Cheney, Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton... Barack Obama and Joe Biden aren't good. But in their unending hunt to destroy Trump, they've destroyed themselves. I never thought anything could shake my faith and loyalty to the Democratic Party. I trusted them. I believed in them. That doesn't mean I think the Republican Party is any better. But they don't control everything as the Democrats do. They probably will indict Trump, and that will mark the last gasp of their collapsing empire. The red pills will be eaten like candy. No American will ever see them the same way again. I am not MAGA. I am not conservative. My friends and family do not understand why I care about Trump and his supporters. They want me to join them in their hatred. They want me to be inside the same group hysteria as they are. I know where they're coming from. I used to be among them. I did everything they're doing now. But the red pill is a powerful one. Once you find your way out of the bubble of hysteria on the left, it feels more like normal life. People are people again. And that, my friends, is worth waking up for. Thanks for listening to my Substack, sashastone.substack.com. And don't forget, to thine own self be true.